Talking Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, it's our first podcast since June 6th, and it's actually your first podcast since June 2nd. How have you been? I've been good. I've been a bit of a hiatus, uh, staying away from Twitter to a certain extent. Haven't really been watching hockey too much. I did watch a bit of the finals, um, but I think I needed a time, some time off after that big Leafs loss. Um, but definitely with the Euro Cup on, I had sports to watch. But uh, I know you've been watching the Euro Cup a little bit too. Congratulations as your team won. Thank you. I'm like, I'm Italian, but I'm like, so far removed from being Italian, so I, I'm only really a fan during Euro Cup time and then World Cup time. So I'll, I'll definitely take some bragging rights here, as if I cheer for the team like religiously. But to be real, I don't really I don't know the players until the the tournament starts. Let's put it that. Way. <laughs> yeah, I know you were a big uh, Insignia guy during this tournament. Uh, every time he scored, I got a text from you like Insignia. He's he's the greatest. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know what? They got guys like Insignia, Chiesa. They got that killer instinct. So uh, I don't know if they they're good on skates or anything, but maybe Dubis should make a call. No Giovinco, and they still got the job done. So unfortunately, we'll have to uh, we'll have to pause the soccer podcast. I know everyone was just dying for my soccer analysis with <laughs> uh, with Italy winning, but we had a, quite a lot happening in the NHL, especially today. I mean, I guess yesterday, recording Tuesday evening here. Um, but yesterday we had the Pierre Maguire hiring by Ottawa. Uh, we also had Duncan Keith going to Edmonton for no cap retention. And then today we had two big buyouts, Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, the two that signed matching 13-year deals. I believe it was 2012. So we've had our fair share of NHL news, Nick, but we've also had some Leafs signings since we last recorded. Let's start with... On a positive note here, Jason Spets is back for one year, 750000 which is the league minimum. What do you have to say about Jason Spets getting re-signed? Well, I think there's a lot of un- like things that are not very predictable this offseason. I think Jason Spets coming back to the Leafs is probably the most predictable thing um, that was going to happen. Hey, you know what? If he's producing the way he is, especially at even strength, he was one of the best Leafs at even strength. I think it was 24 or 25 even strength points at the end of the year. Um, by the end of the year, sorry. I thought he was great in the playoffs. Just keep signing him to the league minimum for one-year deals until he says he doesn't want to play anymore and he has to retire, and I'm the most happy there. I think you feel the same way. Yeah, I think it was definitely a no-brainer, uh, $750,000. Why not? I mean, the man, he was, the man he's been scoring, not just this year, but even the previous year, he's so good. I think that was really a no-brainer. He's he's a fan favorite, good in the room. I think everyone loved him. So that one, that one was great. Obviously, he's he's probably worth at least two million, but he's taking a huge discount to stay here. Uh, really can't complain with the Spets signing whatsoever. The other one, which a little bit more controversial, I think Spets's was just a no-brainer. The other one, at least from an unrestricted free agent perspective, was Wayne Simmons. Two years. 900000 is going to be the cap hit. What do you think of that deal, Nick? I'm so in between on this one because I didn't 
I never felt like at first the the Simmons signing was the issue. I did have a problem with the way Keefe deployed him. He never scratched him throughout the year. Um, even when the offensive production wasn't there, he never got scratched. Uh, obviously, in the playoffs, the Leafs did run into some injury problems. So, you know, Simmons probably should have been in the lineup because of those injuries. But he was never really taken off PP1 in the playoffs. Um, but regardless... I'm okay with the signing. I think 900K is not going to hurt you in a big way, but I think they need to have a pretty big talk with Simmons and say, you know, if you are not one of the best 12 players on this team, you're not going to be, or on a given night, you're not going to play. And I think Simmons needs to be okay with that. I think he can still be a pretty big, you know, influence in the locker room, even if he's not playing. Um, But, you know, in a vacuum, I don't mind the signing. I know that people were, you know, had a problem and and said, well, why is he not at league minimum? But whatever, 200K, whatever it is, that's okay. But uh, he does need to be scratched if he's not one of the better players on the team. Yeah, I got no problem with the cap hit. It's 150K now that the minimum 750. Um, I think, as you said, the real risk is going to be the whether or not they scratch him. And like for me, I, I don't mind having a guy that can fight it, an enforcer, a guy that's going to bring that physical edge but at this stage of his career i do want to treat him as an enforcer someone that should be staple to the fourth line or or really whatever lines he's on should be their worst scoring line because i don't think he had a primary assist last year uh it's been like three four years now since he's produced at five on five at, at a decent rate so uh yeah maybe he could be the net front guy on, on the second power play unit uh, but for me he, other than that he's he's pretty much a fourth line grinder fourth line enforcer at the cap it, he's variable. So, yeah, the contract itself, I don't mind. I just, frankly, I don't trust them to scratch him in the big games. For me, you know, after that playoffs, I think he proved, like, he's not a guy that really elevates his game in the playoffs. I don't, you know, that's kind of the stereotype with, with the more physical players. But, you know, he hasn't really produced in the playoffs as of late. And, you know, for me, he's, I'd love to have him around as an enforcer the regular season. I think he's someone I'd want to scratch come playoff time. Um, and then, you know, if there is a, a dirty hit or something, you can always put them in the next game. But, um, for me, I guess I have mixed emotions. Um, I'm, I'm the real question for me, I think, as you said, is will they scratch him if he's ineffective and if they have better options, like if he's keeping Nick Robertson out of the lineup and Robertson's playing well, the Marlies, I'm going to have issues. Um, but if he's regular season fourth line, you know, fine. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it really comes down to coaching on this one. And I just don't know how much I trust them to, to scratch them. I think I trust their ability to learn their, from their own mistakes. Um, maybe I'm, I'm being a bit uh, optimistic there, but I think the big thing with Keith and Dubis is that they've always been able to kind of reflect internally and say, okay, maybe this was a mistake and come back and make a change the next year. In Dubis's case, I feel like he overcorrected this year, uh, but we'll get to that a bit later. But I do think that that there is a chance that Keith will learn from his mistake, as as I think they are uh, pretty big reflectors, and I think that's kind of what their their forte is. So I think I have a little bit more trust in you in them scratching, but uh, hopefully they hopefully they make me proud and actually do it. Yeah, I think with Simmons too, like him being on your fourth line in the playoffs shouldn't kill you. Like that shouldn't be the reason you lose the series. But I think as we saw, like they did have quite a bit of holes in their lineup against Montreal, it felt. And, you know, he probably doesn't help that. So I'm not going to knock the signing too much. I just, you know, mix feelings about it. We'll see how, 
we'll see what they do come this season. We'll see how he plays, and, and we'll see if they'll end up scratching him if they do have better options. So I guess that's a, a to-be-determined there. The last one, Nick, was Travis Dermott. was an RFA, so we were expecting him to resign. He signed for two years at $1.5 million. Um, maybe a little bit of a higher cap hit than expected by a little bit. I was expecting like 1.2, 1.3, maybe for one year. Um, but he did do the second year. So I think that second year, you know, if, if he does jump into a top four role, there could be certainly some value there. So um, I, I'm, I'm okay, definitely okay with the Dermot signing. I don't have any strong feelings about it. Where did, where did you land on that? I liked it. I think he was underpaid last year, first of all. Uh, when you and I did this podcast last year and we were talking about Dermot's contract, uh, we were projecting it to be around $1 million, $1.5 in that area. Um, so I think at I think it was the 900 k that he was getting paid last year uh, from his cap hit. I think that was a little bit lower than what was expected. I think this year, you know, you can't keep giving him that 900 k every single year, especially if he's going to take the second year on this contract. So $1.5, I was fine with it. You're not going to get you're not going to get hurt with these types of contracts, like a 1.5 for your third defenseman who's 24 years old, who has the ability to potentially move into your top uh, four. So uh, we'll see if he does get you know, taken from Seattle. Um, according to, I don't think they made him any promises, according to the articles, but I guess we'll see. I had no problem with this um, contract at all. Yeah, according to Dermot himself, he, they didn't make him any promises. And we'll, we'll get to that. In a, in a little bit later on, because I think I think we have different opinions on who they might take. But yeah, at one point five, I wonder if they did they did tell him last year, you know, take a little bit less, and then we'll maybe bump it a little bit next year. But I, I believe he was arbitration eligible this year. Maybe he gets like a tad less, but to get him for the two years, you know, I I, I think it's a perfectly fine deal. I have really no thoughts on it. It's kind of what I was expecting. Um, so. You know, even if it was two hundred thousand more than expected, it's nothing to uh, nothing that I'm really concerned about at this point. Spit some other news, Nick, around the NHL. Uh, Dave Haxtell is now the coach of Seattle. The Leafs have hired Dean Shinouth, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and most importantly, the Habs did not win the Stanley Cup Finals. So we've had quite a lot of other news as in addition to the three Leafs signings. Uh, I guess. I want to get your thoughts on that Lightning Hab series. How relieved were you when the Lightning got the win? As soon as as soon as the Lightning won, I was back. I was back. On, <laughs> I was I was back on Leafs Twitter. I was ready to go again. Um, actually, to be honest, I think once the Islanders lost, that's when it felt like a huge weight was taken off my personal shoulders. That would have been the uh, worst series. Islanders Habs worst series ever. In my mind, I literally thought to myself. If the Habs win the cup, it would be kind of cool. Um, but there's no way the Islanders could have won. I would have been really upset to see that team in the finals. Especially, I like to see good teams get rewarded. Uh, I do like to see like some bad teams from time to time get up there, but not as much as the Islanders have. I think they get coached really well. But especially GMs, like if you make bad moves like Lou has with the Islanders, you should not be rewarded just because you get good goaltending and great coaching. So I was ready for them to get knocked out. Yeah, I mean, they're a decent team. Just I I would have been torn on who to cheer for in a Islanders-Hab series. Like, I know most Leafs fans are, you know, anyone but Montreal, but I, I'm not an Islanders fan at all. So it would have been... I'm glad I didn't have to make the decision. Let's just put it that way. But I, I would have turned... 
I would have turned my Twitter account into a strictly soccer account, strictly EuroCup. <laughs> That's I what I would have done. Camping. Sort of like camping with no internet, just pretended it never happened. I just would have been in denial. But anyways, coming up this week, we got, uh, it's going to be a busy week, I think. The expansion draft lists are due on July 17th, which is Saturday. Um, Ahead of that time, we might see some trades. I mean, we already saw some buyouts from Minnesota. Could see some trades of, you know, teams wanting to make a move before they have to put the list in and before the, the rosters freeze. Um, and then the expansion draft itself is going to be July 21st. So I believe that's next Wednesday. And then the NHL draft starting next Friday. So we should see some trades. We should see at least some rumors. At the very least, we're going to see the expansion draft lists on the 17th. So let's start, I guess, with the Leafs and their protection decision. So they could, they really have two options here. They could go seven forwards with three defensemen, or they could go just eight players, and ultimately take four defensemen, four forwards. And for me, the protection comes down to really a choice between you could protect one of three players. You could protect Justin Hall, who makes $2 million and who's playing on uh, the top shutdown pair with Jake Muzzin. You could take Travis Dermott, who we mentioned earlier. You know, two years, $1.5 million is, is a very reasonable contract. Uh, could be very valuable if you want to trade Riley down the road, or if you at least want to have that option and then the last one would be Alex Kerfoot who's a little bit more expensive at 3.5 million coming off a strong playoffs though who do you think they're going to protect out of those three I've been going back and forth on this um, especially between Hall and Dermott because I do think they're gonna I don't expect them to go with the seven forwards Um, I do expect them to go four four and one them protecting the big four protecting Riley Muzzin Brody and between Hall and Dermott, I think it's a tough. I think it's a tough decision because obviously Hall, you're pretty much asking yourself, how important is it that Hall faces top competition? Because they've been trying to look for a right-handed defenseman who is able to do that for years. They couldn't get it in Zaitsev. Hainsey was playing the right side as well. They couldn't get that from him. Hall, his, you know, his his results aren't spectacular, especially away from Muzzin. But I think. I think Muzzin Hall as a pairing has been pretty good. Uh, I don't think Lilligren's going to jump into that spot. I see that on Twitter all the time. I don't think that's going to happen next year. I think he has to face bottom competition before um, and kind of work his way up. Uh, we haven't even seen him in the NHL for a very large sample, so I don't think it's going to be Lilligren next year. Uh, Dermot, I don't see it happening next year. I think it's a bigger possibility than Lilligren, but it pretty much comes down to how important is it that Hall plays top competition and how easy is it to fetch that type of a player that can do that, either externally or internally? I think in the end, I would protect Dermot. Um, you know, he has been facing lower competition, but he is 24 years old. He signed for the next two years. And, you know, as we say all the time, you know, defensemen take longer to develop. I think the skill set's there. I do want to see more from him offensively, um, especially when he's parked in the offensive zone. And I think all the skills are there for Dermot to be a top four defenseman, so that's why I would be protecting him. But that does, you know, kind of create a hole where you have to try and get a, a right-handed defenseman for the top four for this upcoming season. Yeah, I I think they're going to protect Justin Hall. Um, that'd be my guess. It's probably what I would do as well. But I do have, I guess, missed reactions to it. Um, I tweeted out, I think last 
maybe last year, the, the comparisons between Travis Dermott and H. Schmidt. I think Dermott's really good at defending the line. Um, I do think he's good defensively. I think he can penalty kill on a second unit if needed. He did have a bit of a down year by the numbers. Um, I think his he's a little bit weak as a puck mover. He doesn't really create any offense back there, um, which, you know, as a prospect, I thought we maybe would, would get a little bit more offense than we do. But just with Hall, he makes $2 million. He's playing with Muzzin. You know that works. I mean, it's worked pretty well. I, I just think we've gone, Leafs fans have seen over the years how hard it is to get a right to defenseman in your top four. Um, and I also just think because you have Rasmus Sandin, like, if, let's say that, let's say they take Kerfoot, right? And you bring back Bogosian. Then I, I, like, Dermot might be your seventh defenseman. I don't even know if Dermot's going to play all that much. I think Sandine's going to play over him. So, like, for that reason, I think, and just where they are, they're at in their competitive window, like, this year's a huge year for the coaching staff, for management, for everyone. I think they're going to protect Hall and let leave Dermot as a, as a possible option to be, to be taken. But I don't think it's clear because... I guess one question for me is how comfortable are you on Dermot on the right side? And then right. and then if he's playing with Muzzin, is he going to be able to handle that competition on his offside? Um, but for me, it's for me, I think they let Kerfoot be exposed just because he makes 3.5. And even though he had a good playoffs, I don't think he had an amazing regular season. That's the bigger sample. And then for 3.5 million, you can... You can go out and you can add a third line center for for that mountain free agency. So I would not protect Kerfoot. Um, between Dermot and Hall would be the decision for me, and I think I would lean towards protecting Justin Hall. And I think that's what there's. I think that's what they're going to do. I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, I'm so back and forth on this. If I, it was my decision, um, I definitely would expose Kerfoot. I I was happy with how he played. I thought he looked good with Nylander last year, but. In my personal, you know, uh, optimized lineup, Kerfoot would be the fourth line center. And for 3.5 mil, I don't think that's worth it. Um, if they do take Kerfoot, I think the Leafs should be somewhat happy because you have that money that's now opened up. Um, but it's going to be a tough decision between Hall and Dermott because, like, as I was saying, and as you said, like, it's it's not easy to get a, a right-handed guy that can play top four and play top competition like Justin Hall has. I know the results haven't always been there, but that pairing has been pretty good. And I, I think people kind of think that, like, I don't think they're going to fill that internally in the next year and a half. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we hear about the Dougie Hamilton things. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but that's a big contract. And it's not easy to just get Dougie Hamilton here and for the rest of the lineup to look good because you have another big contract onto your roster. So, it's going to be tough, but we're going to find out in the next couple of days, so that'll be good. Yeah, I think Saturday should be the day, if not sooner. I mean, we could even see a trade beforehand. Um, I The next question here is, let's assume that Justin Hall's protected. Who do you think Seattle takes? Okay, so I don't think they're going to, he's going to, they're going to take Kerfoot because... When we looked at how Vegas is picked, I think everyone expected Vegas to get every single team's like sixth best forward, pretty much the best player that is exposed. And they didn't do that. 
they pretty much showed the league that the number one asset in this league is cap space. So I don't think they're going to get take Kerfoot, who is signed for 3.5 mil for you know, the next couple of years. I don't think they're going to take him. To me, it's either they take whoever's exposed between Hall and Dermott or they go off the board and get like a Joey Anderson. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at with that. I think Joey Anderson, there's a lower chance for sure, but uh, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they did it. Is that where you are, or are you more on the Kerfoot train? I think they're going to take Kerfoot because, A, I think he'll be exposed, and, B, there's just been... I know Chris Johnson had said he thinks they like them. Um, so The Athletic actually put out an article today that that said who they thought each team was going to take. So if they had a, if the athletic had a writer in that city, they would ask them, okay, who do you think is going to be the player that leaves? And Kerfoot was the one taken uh, from the Leafs. Um, but you look at the list and I think just because of how the protection shakes out where most teams are only protecting three defensemen, a lot of the picks are defensemen. That's what happened with the Vegas draft too. They took a ton of defensemen. I remember and right. kind of sorted it out after. So I do think that, a tie will go to the forward in most cases. Now, for all we know, they love Travis Dermott and, you know, they think he's the next Nate Schmidt or they think he's going to be a top four. They want to at least give him a shot. I do agree that his contract's a better value than Kerfoot's. Um, you know, and if they do take Dermott, I think the Leafs will then say, okay, we think we have our six defensemen for next year anyways. We probably penciled Dermott in as the seventh. And then a very good seventh, but maybe the seventh. And then, you know, they can either keep Kerfoot as a third line center, or they could, I think they could easily move him, uh, especially after that playoff performance for 3.5. You just look at what other third line centers get paid. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened as well. So um, I'm going to guess Dermot. I think a Joey Anderson, sorry, I'm going to guess Kerfoot, um, but I, a Joey Anderson or an Adam Brooks would be interesting. I think it'd be off the board. It'd be a little bit surprising, but I guarantee you, with the other thirty teams here, we're gonna see some. We're gonna see some surprises. I, I think if the if they do claim Kerfoot, though, the Leafs should be somewhat happy because I think he's a guy that they, they're gonna have to get a third line center anyway. I think, and if they get Dermot, at least you have Sandine there, like you said, that can you know. I think that was the guy you were alluding to that, that he'd be the sixth defenseman anyway. Um. So, seventh. I think Dermot would be the seventh. Sorry, uh, Sandine would be the sixth, though, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think with Dermot, if they do claim him, the Leafs, you know, you're not scared about the, the short term because you have Sandine there. But, you know, if Dermot does become that top four defenseman that we all think he could be, that puck-moving defenseman that moves play up the ice, um, that is a, a positive contributor for their team, then it's kind of like, you know, you kind of lost out on that. But... Uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, if you don't see Kerfoot as the center, I think I think he's definitely being moved, whether it's Seattle or or trade or somewhere um, else. Yeah, but I think they might see him as a center. So if he's not if he's not claimed, I'd, I'm not sure if he'll stay. They might just use him as a third line center. But let's get into that a little bit. So since we last recorded, as mentioned, they've signed Spezza, they've signed Simmons, they've signed uh, they've signed Dermot. I'm assuming that Kerfoot's the one taken in this scenario. And if he's not, then I'm assuming that they would just, you know, trade him for a couple picks. That's just the assumption to make things as simple as possible rather than doing like 10 different scenarios. So I want to, 
right now, it's my preference that they re-sign Galchenyuk and Bogosian. I think they were both pretty good last year. I penciled I penciled one in for one million. I I penciled Bogosian in for about one point two, anywhere in that one million dollar range, just as rough estimates. If they yeah, I think Galchenyuk. Re- yeah, sorry. Continue. Go. Well, if they weren't going to re-sign them, you could just put in another one million dollar player just to replace them. But this is just to give like a rough estimate. So what we what it boils down to really is ten and a half million for three spots: the first line winger, the third line center, and then a second goalie. So that's really not a ton of money to work with. You could go maybe five million for the winger, three million for the center. Two and a half for the second goalie. That's just one example. You know, maybe you trade a Makaya Vangval to open up another, you know, half a million or so. But let's start, I guess, with Bogosia Galchenyuk. What do you think the percent chances are that they're back? I will say with Galchenyuk, it's, uh, I'd say 60 40, which I think is pretty high. Um, I think there should be some interest on Galchenyuk's part. I mean, the Leafs did put a lot of time into him, sending him to the Marlies. Um, and you know, Galchenyuk had really good numbers with the Leafs. He had even his points per 60 at even strength was one of the highest he's had in his whole career. Um, they gave him a shot at top at top six minutes. A lot of teams weren't willing to do that. Uh, even when he was with Ottawa, he didn't have as big of a role as he did with Toronto. So I do think there should be some interest from Galchenyuk's side. And even from the Leafs side, I mean, they need some scoring in their bottom six. I think that was their biggest issue this past year and even the playoffs before that. So Galchenyuk gives them that. So I do think there should be some interest from the Leafs as well. His contract's not going to be very high, um, and it's not going to be very long-term either. So I'll say about 60-40. Bogosian's interesting. I'm going to say, let's say 45-65. I do like him as a player. Uh, I do think it was definitely a success this past year. I just want to see how this offseason shakes out. Like, if they could somehow have a deal with Bogosian and say... Can you just wait? Let's just see how our defense shapes up. Don't talk to other teams in the meantime. And if we have space, we'll get you. Um, and that's why I don't think that scenario is going to happen. I think that there will be <laughs> some interest around the league in Bogosian. Um, and as a result, that's why it's a little bit lower at 45. So, But I, I am a big fan of how he played this year. And I, I think it was a big success. So I, if they brought him back, I would be uh, definitely a lot happier than... I was last year when they first signed him. I got to go 70% for both. I think with Galchenyuk, for a few reasons. One is he's played on so many different teams. I think just the stability he would like. He's also a player that's made, you know, $23.5 million over the course of his career. So, you know, would he leave for an extra 300000 I don't know. Like, I think for him, maybe he values the stability. He already knows the coaching staff. And he also would have a chance to play in the top six quite a bit. I mean, Zach Hyman is an unrestricted free agent. Um, he was playing in the top six in playoff games for the Leafs, and they're going to have a hard time adding wingers with their cap space. So I think he'd have a legitimate chance to play with Tavares Nylander again. I think that's got to be exciting for him. He already knows the you know his teammates, the coaching staff. Um, I, I obviously I think you know the Leafs kind of really helped him out in terms of his development. So I'm going to say seventy percent he's back. Uh, I'm very interested to see if he does sign how much it would be for. Like, if he, if he signs, like, with Tyler Ennis, I wanted him back, and he kind of signed a league minimum deal or close to it, which surprised me. Um, I do want him back. And, and with Bogosian, I just think he, he was very good in that role. 
He's another player who's who's made some money in his career. He's close to forty million. So again, like maybe you give him a slight raise, but I don't think he's getting a massive contract elsewhere. And for an extra, you know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, um, I, I do think he'd prefer to stay in Toronto. So uh, I'm gonna say seventy percent for both. And then if if one left, maybe you go out and you get a you know a Tyler Ennis to get, replace Galchenyuk or someone like that. Or you make a trade, or maybe Lilligren gets gets more of a chance, or Dermot plays the offside. But I am hoping for both those guys back. Yeah, and and I think that they have proven this year that you know they were good enough to be on the team and to be contributors there. So I would also be pretty happy if they both came. Um, you ready for the tougher questions here? Let's hear it. Let's start with Zach Hyman, who. We really just don't really know what contract he's going to get. As an unrestricted free agent, he's got he's earned the right to hit the open market. He hasn't made as much money as you probably think because he signed a very team-friendly deal. He's about $10 million career earnings. So this is his big payday. Really, we don't know what contract he'll get offered in free agency, right? Like All it takes is for one team to make a big offer. That's why I'm going under 50% here, but I'm going to wait to get my answer until I hear yours. Are you, are you under... Well, under 50% or close to it? I'll say 35%. I think that I'm not trying to say that Toronto is the center of the hockey world, but Toronto is the center of the hockey world. And when players <laughs> play well in Toronto, especially the way that Zach Hyman's progressed over the years, I think he's going to gather a ton of interest along, around the league. Um and I think he deserves it. I think he's one of those players that has just put his heart on the line every single year that he's played with us. Um, and I think he's going to deserve a, a pretty good payday. I will say this. There is a ton of UFAs on the you know, on the market right now that is a similar type of player um, to Zach Hyman. Like, obviously, Blake Coleman, after the two Stanley Cup runs, is going to get a ton of interest. Uh, Barkley Goudreau is also a UFA who's going to get some interest. And on the higher end, Gabriel Landeskog is also a UFA. So, you know, and he's obviously a star in this league. So I think that's the big question mark in terms of how much Hyman is going to make because there's a ton of other power forwards that are also on the market. And that's why I'm not going to go any lower than 35. Probably now now that I'm saying that, probably should be around 40 um, because of that. But I I think that he is going to walk and he is going to get a big contract somewhere else. But uh, it's going to be bittersweet to see him go. Are you closer to 50 or are you right around the 35-40? I got to go 20%. I'm going low. Really low. I just think he's going to get a big offer elsewhere. And if I'm the Leafs, I just can't do it. Like They're already paying so much to, to their bigger players. He's 29. I don't want to give him six years. If someone else wants to give him six years, be my guest. I think you know I'll go out and get another option. Um, really, the only interest I'd have in bringing him back at this point is if his market's not what I expected. It's going to be like four years at five years at like 5 million uh, at the most. I, I really don't want to go much more than the Brody contract, which was four by five. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of preparing myself for him to go elsewhere. Yeah. These, these are the big decisions that I think separate the GMs who build teams that are good over a long period of time. And the ones that have their, like a few years that you're somewhat good, but you also just put your team into the... These are the type of contracts that kind of kill franchises and, and kill rosters. Um, kind of looking at the Edmonton Oilers here. But, <laughs> you know, Hyman is 29, as you were saying. 
if you give him a long-term contract, you're taking him into his 30s. Like There's so much research saying that once players get into their 30s, they start to decline. And especially the way Hyman plays. I mean, he, he gives it his all every single night. He's already starting to kind of run into some injury problems. And, you know, knock on wood, obviously, I hope he has a great career. But, you know, injuries do occur, especially when you get into your 30s. So I think walking away from Hyman and not giving him something long-term is the best way for the Leafs to kind of continue success. And, and you know, they got to find the next Zach Hyman. And I think that's how teams like Tampa Bay um, and even Pittsburgh in their, their heyday um, kind of stayed good for a very long time. So speaking of guys that have a low percentage chance of coming back, Frederick Anderson, <laughs> I'm going to go... I'm going to go, honestly, 20%, which I think is maybe higher than others. Um, but it's still quite low. I do think he's going to leave. But I guess I wouldn't be completely shocked if he was back. Uh, I don't know how much I should believe one of the reports saying that Anderson believes that he's still worth, you know, that $5 million or $5.5 million No, no, no. So, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. That was Drager just throwing that out there. It wasn't anything from Anderson. No, but, no, no, no. no. But, you know, but I, like I said, I don't know how much I should believe it, but he did say that that Anderson feels that. Anderson didn't say it himself. I, I'd never expect him to. But, but I mean, like I said, like I don't know how much I should believe that. Um, if that is the case, like it's a 0% chance. Um, but I'll go, I'll go 15%. I don't think... I don't think the Leafs want to bring him back. Like I, I think that that chapter is kind of closed, um, and I'll go fifteen percent. I I think that chapter is closed. I I think they want Campbell to be that one A, and they're gonna find somewhere else to be the one B at a at a much lower uh, cap hit. Yeah. So I don't put any stock in that five million dollar comment. Um, I think for the Anderson, it's pretty simple. I think he's gonna hit the open market, see what he could get, and make a decision. Right. Like. He, if if the best offer is three million, I think he's going to take three million. If the best offer is you know four million or five million, I think he'll get it. I do think he's going to get four million plus elsewhere, which is why I think he's going to leave. But he is someone who can maybe consider taking a discount. Like if he's just if he's my question is if, is he going to get a multi year deal? Um, because if he's just going to get one year, maybe he's the type that'll just take like a million less or half a million less to stay in Toronto. Obviously, you know, good friends with Matthews. Um, he'd have a chance at a lot of playing time here. Um, you know, Campbell's not going to be a 60, 70 game starter. Um, so I do think it's a fit, especially if he'll take a discount. And I also think there's, there's upside there. Like when we look at, you know, what other goalies they could get for two and a half, three million, there's no upside really. Like not necessarily no upside, but you have guys that haven't really had the peak of Anderson. Um, so I, I'm not going to rule it out completely, but I think, I think your 15 is a good guess. 20% may be even a bit high, but um, I think we're both kind of expecting them to go in a different direction. I think, honestly, it'd be best for, for both sides. Definitely. And and he's almost the in the same situation as Hyman, but almost the opposite situation, where they're around the same age. Anderson is a bit older. They both have had injury problems in the last couple of years. The only difference is... Hyman from year to year has just gone better and better and Anderson over the past couple of years has gotten worse. So yeah, I think the 15, 20% is, is right where it should be. Yeah. If I'm, I think he makes sense for a rebuilding team, honestly, like 
uh, Detroit or Seattle, for example, where you know you sign him for just a one-year deal, and if he bounces back, you have an amazing trade piece, and you could offer him all the playing time in the world, and that's that's I guess the direction I expect. But you know he could choose to take less to go to contender. There's plenty of 1A, 1B situations where you get enough playing time. Pittsburgh strikes me as a possible option. I feel like Burke's going to want him. <laughs> um, but another another older player that had a decline this year, at least a little bit, Joe Thornton, spotted at the UFC fight. I believe it was Kendall Jenner's party bus as well, which was quite funny to see. <laughs> what do you think the odds are that he's back? This is a big mystery, um, especially after they got Simmons back so early and... We've heard nothing about Thornton other than on the social media side. Um, I will go with, oh, it's so tough because they could definitely bring him back in a role that, you know, they could tell him, you know, you will be scratched if you're not one of the best 12 players. Um, I don't think they're going to bring him back in the similar role to what he had last year where he's going to start the season on the top line. Like, I definitely don't see that happening. I'll say 30%. Um just because it would be a one-year contract, it would be, you know, at league men, and he does get along with the rest of the group, and he's from, you know, from Ontario. I'll keep it at 30, but similarly, like, I, I this bottom six needs to get younger. They can't afford to have a fourth line that's Simmons, Spezza, and Thornton going into the playoffs again. And uh, again, it's that same issue with Keith. Like, will he scratch his veterans late in the season and games that are very very important we're yet to see it so as a result i just think they need to to um you know go a different direction here yeah i'm gonna go 30 as well we'll have the exact same percentage here um i do think that the leafs must like him a little bit i mean they're playing him on their top power play unit as we've talked about at length here um so if he does want to play you know which you know maybe it's 50 50 he plays next year but if he does play next year, I think the favorite's the Leafs just because, you know, he played there last year and they seem to like him. So I, I do kind of want to see something different. Um, I, I do think with those 700,000 guys, or sorry, the league min guys, which is now 750, there's really no risk. The risk is that you won't scratch them in part ways if it goes poorly. I don't really trust them to part ways with him if he's not playing well. So uh, I got to say, I still say low. I do think he's about 50-50 to retire, maybe a little bit higher than that to retire. Uh, but we are on the exact same page with Joe Thornton. I got one more here for you, Nick. Guy that's under contract for one more year, and his name is Morgan Riley. What oh. do you think the odds are that he's back? Just keeping the best for last. Uh, oh. I'll say 70-30. Th- I'll say 70-30. Um, okay. They did say that they... Again, I've been kind of out of the game for the last couple of weeks. Um, yep. So you're going to have to fact check me here. I did read somewhere that they did want to have contract talks this offseason and they did want to make like quite a bit of progress in terms of his future. Is that correct or is that something I just dreamed of? Yeah, so it sounds like they do kind of want to make the decision this offseason but i've also heard that riley's prepared to take a bit of a discount to stay so that is it kind of goes both ways where you know maybe a discount for him is more like fairly priced um, because i do think you'd get overpaid if he hit a free agent market 
Um, but my guess was actually going to be about 70% as well. I think it's with most players, I think it's likely they stay put now, you know, maybe it's 35% chance he stays and doesn't get extended and they, they take them all the way to the end of the contract. And maybe it's 35% that, you know, they extend him probably a bit higher. Um, but I, I, I think there's only like a, I'm maybe going to say 75% chance he, he stays. I'd be a little bit surprised if he if he gets traded. I would consider it. I mean, I don't know what the extension number is looking like right now, but I, I think we've talked about that at length, um, why I'd consider it. Yeah, I would definitely Mainly consider it. Mainly just due to what they could get back. Uh, yeah, I think the package would be big coming back. And also, it's, it's not even the cap hit really that concerns me when it comes to Riley. I, I do think he's going to get overpaid if he hits the UFA next year, but... For me, it's the term. I just, I just think you've, we've seen him declining over the past few years. The next contract, if it is long term, would take him into his thirties. And like I said before, like I, I think he would just continue to decline. Um, and right now, he eats a lot of minutes on this team. So, uh, you know, you don't want someone that is as much of a liability as he is defensively playing in your top four, um, especially for a contending team. So, I'll say seventy. If they bring him back, I think it's okay, but. Um, I think the term on that next contract might be something that they regret down the line. Yeah, I think it's 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 a mix of term and and cap hit. But I, if he's at the low sixes, you know, fine. It's not going to be a, a horrible seven million long term. I don't really have any interest in. Um, I do think they really like him, like just in the room as a leader, which you know maybe is going to be a risk for them to overpay him as a result, but. Um, very good in the playoffs. I think he is a good player. I think that's clear. Um, mm-hmm. I think his big year was two years ago. I know it hasn't really been as good since, but um, he's a good player. He's well worth that $5 million cap hit. I think they want to win this year. So, you know, even though I've said I'd consider trading him, I'm going to say that there's only about a 25% chance that they actually trade him. So, I yeah. think we're I'll go 30% we're chance that they, yeah, I mean, I'm at, okay. I'm at 70%. I, I don't, you know, if they bring him back, it's not like I'm going to be angry or anything. But um, I think these are the tough decisions that, like I said, like that kind of differentiate, you know, GMs that are able to keep things going for a long time and ones that are, you know, you're kind of going the opposite way because you have bad contracts now. But like I said, Riley's a good player. Um, but this has been one of the hottest topics on this podcast for the last like year and a half. Uh, so we're, we're, we're finally coming to its conclusion, hopefully. Hopefully we get kind of a resolution one way or the other. Otherwise, we'll be talking about it all season because that's a big player to lose for nothing. Um, so let's go just through. I've been writing some articles, Nick. I don't know if you've read any of them because you haven't even been on Twitter. You probably haven't. Um, I have not. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> I wrote one. This hurts, by the way. Um, <laughs> your birthday gift just got cut in half. Um, I know. So... I, I wrote one article on the goaltending situation in terms of just p- guys that are potentially available. And then I wrote one article on potential third-line centers if, if Kerfoot either gets taken by Seattle or gets traded. So I'll, I'll run you. I'll run through some of the, the 3C options, and you can tell me if, if any, of these guys, any of these names catch your eye. So there's Mikhail Granlund, who played on Nashville this year, uh, I do expect him to re-sign in Nashville uh, because they, they were using him as a center and they were using him as a top six center. They seem to like him. 
He signed for about $4 million. He might be a tad expensive for the Leafs, but he could also play the wing. Um, so that's one. There's Alex Wenberg, who had a pretty big year in Florida after being bought out by Columbus. Offers a bit of size. Good playmaker. Again, he might stay in Florida after a good year. He might be a little bit too pricey. Um, the next one is Nick Benino, who's won a couple cups with Pittsburgh. Uh, he's one who grades out really well by goals above replacement and wins above replacement if we're using evolving hockey's model. Um, and and he's one that probably is going to leave Minnesota because he was on the fourth line and on the wing at the end of the year. But the numbers are really strong. I'll fly through some of the other options. Philip Deneau, who's a good player but might be out of the least price range. We'll see. I'm sure he'll be popular. Stastny, who was on Winnipeg this year uh, after moving from Vegas. Uh, a little bit on the older end, but still quite effective. There's Tyler Bozak, which would be quite funny. Uh, I think Derek Ryan's more of a fourth-line center. Casey Zizekas, we'll see. I think he's going to stay in the Islanders. Jared McCann, who plays primarily on the wing, but had a huge year in Pittsburgh in terms of goals above replacement. Also has the link to the to the Sioux. There's Dylan Strom in, in Chicago. There's Cody Glass in Vegas, who hasn't really established himself after being a sixth overall pick. There's Christian Dvorak, who used to play with Mitch Marner, who's you know under contract quite a while. I believe it's about 4.5 or 4.2, somewhere in that range. And then there's Jason Dickinson, Georgetown's own, who might get taken by Seattle. So any of those names really catch your eye. That would be, I guess, either upgrades on Kerfoot or could provide similar value for less price. I'll let you go either way with it. Who, did, who caught your eye or caught your ear out of that list? I've been looking at Wenberg for a little bit now. I think he's been an interesting target there. I don't know how high he will go. Like his past contract was two point two five million a year. I mean, if they can get him at a similar price tag to Kerfoot, I think that's definitely worth it. Uh, like you said, he is. He does have some size, a bit more of a goal scorer than Kerfoot. Like that's for sure. I would um, be really interested in him. I mean, he only yeah, has a twenty goal scorer this past year. Yeah, so normally he's not much of a goal scorer, but now this year he was. I think it was partly shooting percentage. His let's just say his goal scoring is kind of a, a question mark, but he is last year for sure. Seventeen and fifty six games, he'll take that any day. Yeah, and I do think he's like better better goal scorer than Kerfoot. Like I, I don't even trust Kerfoot to shoot half the time. Um, other than that, I will say Jared McCann because, like we've said before, with Dubis. Sometimes the most obvious thing is the thing that he does, um, and he does like his Sioux players. Uh, McCann is a player that, like especially last year, had was pretty good. He graded out pretty good in terms of like play driving. Um, has been a good defensive player for the last two years, so I would like him. He's only twenty five or twenty four still, so that would be an interesting target as well. I think those are my main two, like Wenberg and McCann. The other ones, like Dano, I don't see happening. I think that he would be a surprise. Have a pretty big. I'd be really surprised. I think he's going to get paid this uh, this off season. So I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, Benino, I think, is a bit underwhelming uh, as a target. I mean, he was at four point one this past year, so you know anything above three point five, I don't think I would be paying him. Um, who are the other targets there? there there's so many. St- um, Stasty would be interesting. Depending think, on the price tag, I think he's definitely one of the better players in that list. Yeah. And then I also, like, Cody Glass would be interesting just because he's on an entry-level contract and 
you know, hasn't made it in Vegas, but was his former sixth overall pick. But I think Wenberg's possible. I really think Benino's possible around $3 million. I don't think it'll be three point five. Uh, just because he finished on on the wing of the fourth line in Minnesota, but like Benito by goals of placement is like a freak. It's so weird. Like he's literally like a second line center by the by the numbers. Um, so I just think you know maybe signing someone like him to play on your third line, then yet you, you know you're you can spend more elsewhere, and they don't they don't have much money to work with. The other one would be like a, a Dickinson who's cheaper, someone like that, where you know maybe defensively you're saving- responsible. I, yeah. I think you're getting something similar to... I think Dickinson's a good player. Um, I do think that you're getting something similar to what the Leafs already have in their bottom six. Like a defensively responsible, a guy that you can't really trust too much offensively. Um, I think Granlin's an interesting target. I, I do think he's going to return to Nashville as well, but uh, I think it's been pretty well documented that the Leafs have been really interested in him. The fact that he can play center, he can play wing, he can play in those dirty areas. He is on the smaller end, but he's definitely not scared. Um, and he's a creative player, so that's a player that I could see kind of transitioning into the bottom, into the top six, uh, on the wing, and then going down into the third line center, similar to I think what they really wanted Kerfoot to do. Um, so I'm not, you know, kind of closing the book on Granlin either. Yeah, the only other one I can think of would be Max Domi, but not the biggest Max Domi fan. He's going to be out to start the season. Um, it would be interesting just because his, you know, his father's ties to the Leafs, but. Uh, I, I do think Wenberg, Bonino, and you know McCann would be fun for mm-hmm. sure. He might be better on the wing. He plays mainly on the wing in Pittsburgh, but could play center as well. So I think he would be very interesting if, if Pittsburgh would move him. Um, but yeah, that should be a a, a pretty interesting one uh, in terms of goalies. So Frederick Anderson's one. We could go to the old reunion of Reimer Bernier, which. You know, it would be kind of funny if they... I don't expect either back, to be clear, but, you know, never say never. Um, Peter Mrazek really catches my eye as kind of the prototypical 1B. Um, I could see Chris Drieger... I can't say his name ever, but Chris Yeah, Drieger. I was just about to say him. I think there's a lot of momentum uh, on Leafs Twitter from what I've seen of him coming to the Leafs. Um, how much do you expect him to get this offseason now with goalies and contracts i think it's so difficult to predict so that's why i'm giving the question to you yeah i got no clue um and with their cap situation they can't really get in a bidding war uh, also like with any free agent right like they could get a huge offer elsewhere that just completely takes you out of the running so i think you need to at least have a few options um Linus Ulmark's the other one that really gets popular on Leafs Twitter I think he's gonna get too much money like I think he's gonna get paid like a starter but I think the Sabres want to keep him um but I like Ulmark a lot if he's you know available and on a reasonable deal um for me it's probably gonna be like a Mrazic type I think Anti Ranta's too injury prone unless you're gonna have a really strong third goalie that you're confident in the other guy is uh Brassois who played on uh on Winnipeg I think he you know he's got pretty decent numbers He'd be cheap, so maybe you sign him and you say, okay, if he sucks, we'll go get someone at the deadline. If he's good, we'll, you know, we'll just keep him and have a cheap goalie tandem. So that's kind of where I'm at with the free agent options. Um, we we should know after the expansion draft too. Yeah, I mean they do definitely have some options, even if they wanted to trade uh, for a goalie. Like there's some teams that haven't been doing very well. Like maybe they look at a team like Columbus who. 
is kind of in the rebuilding stage, I would say. Like they have Corpusalo and Elvis, who Leafs fans can remember. We were fell victim to both of them during the last playoff or the two playoff series ago. Um, obviously, Darcy Kemper with the Coyotes is a possibility. I know that at the trade deadline when we were talking about potential goalies um, that Kemper came up. What do you think? Oh, there's also some other goalies like maybe Vegas, who has both Flurry and Leonard, but I think that's a bigger kind of a bigger swing there. What do you think the chances, and this is a bit of a curveball, of the Leafs pretty much bringing back, um, now I'm forgetting his name. Reimer? This is brutal. Bernier? Bernier? No, no, they had him. Riddich, Riddich. They uh-huh. completely bringing him back. <laughs> no, no, not Reimer. I would never forget his name. Um, <laughs> but what do you think the chances of the Leafs bringing back Riddich kind of in a, a, a second to third goalie type role? Um, 15% maybe. Like For me, I feel like there's there's like 10 to 15 goalies out there that could make potentially make sense. And, you know, I'd say it's about 1 in 10 that he's the guy. I don't think he was very good as a Leaf. Uh, he's obviously very good against the Leafs. Um, for <laughs> me, I'm kind of looking for a guy that I'm okay being the game one playoff starter. Like, I think... I think you do need to kind of spend there. I wouldn't mind spending instead of two and a half million, maybe going up to four, 4.5, maybe go cheaper elsewhere. Um, I think Kemper's a name to watch, although he might get moved before the expansion draft, which wouldn't make sense for the Leafs. Uh, but I could see them interested on in him because I think he's a very good goalie. Um, but it, yeah, I, I, I think Riddich is probably going elsewhere just because he wasn't great as a Leaf, but I mean, he's possible, especially if he's cheap enough. I think really any of these free agent options are going to be possible. It's going to be a bit of a goalie carousel, and the Leafs are in a spot where they can't really outbid other teams with a big deal. So uh, it might end up being more of a a wait-and-see approach for the Leafs. We'll see what happens. But uh, after the expansion draft, too, I think we'll see, you know, what goalies Vegas, what goalies Seattle takes, and, and that'll kind of drive the market a bit, too. Yeah, you're living in the past too, and you keep seeing Vegas there. But um, yeah, I definitely don't think that they're gonna bring Riddich back as a backup goalie. Um, I don't think they can come into the training camp like that. I don't think that people would be too happy about that. I don't think they would be very very happy about that either. I could definitely see him bringing him back as a third goalie, though. I mean, he only played four games. He was at a point eight eight, had a, a few stinkers in the in the four games that he did play, but. Uh, he did have a pretty big sample size before that with Calgary of being a pretty good NHL goalie. So um, I could see him coming back as a third goalie, but definitely not as the backup. I don't think he's going to take an offer to be a third. I think he's going to get a backup job somewhere. Um, so I don't see that happening. I mean, maybe best case scenario. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Riddich, I agree with you. I think Riddich is going to go elsewhere. Um, so I, I, I really have no idea who the goalie is going to be like. Kemper or, or Elvis would be the best, but they're probably more expensive, and they also have fairly high cap hits compared to the others. Just a jar is a name that, that we could watch mm-hmm. at about three and a half, um, which is a tad expensive. But I do think that Campbell's such a wild card. Like He was so good this year, but because he hasn't played that many games, because you just look at goalies year to year, like you look at Kadobin two years ago versus Kadobin this year, he went from like a 9.30 to like a 9.05, something like that. And you saw it with Kemper too. Like Kemper's had huge years and then declined. You really have to have 
either a star like Vasilevsky that's good year in, year out, or two goalies that you're very comfortable with, right? So I think the Leafs are definitely looking at the latter. I think they should try to look at some of the better options out there rather than, you know, the cheaper $1 million types. Um, so I think we're we're largely on the same page there. Yeah, I think it's just a big mystery, but... Uh, I did want to get your opinion on one thing because I did notice a ton of momentum for a certain player named Tyler Bertuzzi. I almost butchered his name there. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi there. It sounds like the Leafs have interest in him. What is your take on them potentially bringing him to the Leafs? So I'm actually writing another article. I don't know if it'll be out this week or whenever. Hopefully I get around to it. This one I'll read for sure. So it's on all the winger options, right? So um, I do have Bertuzzi on there. Now, Bertuzzi has the same agent as Hyman, which makes it a bit complicated, is the one that Dubas used to work with uh, back when Dubas was an agent. So I don't mind Bertuzzi. I think he's a solid player. Um, I do think that, you know, he missed most of the year due to, I think it was back surgery. So I think his arbitration number will be kind of low. I think the lower cap hit on a one-year deal would intrigue the Leafs. That's probably what I would do if I got him. I would probably want to keep his cap hit as low as possible, sign him short-term, rather than do like the the Josh Anderson, let's sign him for seven years thing. But I think he's a good player. I think he's he's more of a second-line winger. Um, He goes to the net. He had a bit of a high shooting percentage, I think, which kind of elevated the numbers. Uh, He's hard-nosed. He'd be a a solid replacement for Hyman. but I look at Steve Eisenman in Detroit. I mm-hmm. look at the fact that he's really under no pressure to move Bertuzzi. And I'd be a little bit, I'm, I'd be, it, it really all depends to what it costs through the trade, obviously. And I'm just a bit skeptical that you're going to steal him out of Detroit. So um, he's not at the top of my list. He's on my list of targets, but not. At the top, I think I would. I think the free agent options are more likely, or maybe someone like a, a Warren Fogel uh, out of out of Carolina as as more likely. But um, I'm not. I'm not against him. I think he's a solid player. It's just uh, I'm very curious or hesitant to figure out what's going to be the the cost in the trade because I do expect Detroit to get quite a bit for him. Yeah, that is a legitimate concern when it comes to Bertuzzi because. There's so many GMs that I would be very confident in Dubis getting a very good deal out of. I don't think Iserman's one of them. Uh, I think, I mean, just this work that he did with Tampa, the work that he's doing now with Detroit, I think he's probably in the upper echelon of GMs. So, you know, I would just tell Dubis to just deal with the other GMs at this time um, because there's enough out there to make good deals. But when it comes to Bertuzzi, I also think he's a good player. Um, he does have two 20-goal seasons. He did shoot a high percentage, but he is the type of player that does go to the net and he does create those high-danger chances. A lot of his chances are high-danger because he gets to the net. So things like individual expected goals is quite high every single year. So, you know, the shooting percentage doesn't scare me too, too much. But with him, the two things that really scare me are, one, the injuries that he's already been kind of... Um, you know, he's already had. And the other thing is his play driving. Like, I don't think that he's the type of player. I think he could potentially be a player that you have in the same slot as Zach Hyman, but you definitely don't want to give him the same usage. Like Zach Hyman was an absolute gem when it came to play driving. Um, And 
I think defensively, Tyler Bertuzzi isn't the same type of player as Hyman and just in his overall package. But I think there are similarities in the way that they play in terms of winning battles, um, kind of playing with that grit. But I think Hyman is in a def- kind of a different echelon, especially these past three to four years. He's been amazing. So I think those are the main two concerns with Bertuzzi. I don't see it happening just because of the whole Iserman thing. And like you said, there's not a... There's no pressure on Iserman. So um, I did want to say that about him, but I think he would be an interesting player to to have with this group of Leafs. Yeah, I mean, he is 26, so he's get, he's getting close to free agency. Just one more year till he hits unrestricted free agency. So I could see why, like, if, if Iserman thinks, you know, I don't want to give him big term, I don't want to pay him into his 30s because my core is not really good right now. It's going to be a couple of years before we're ready to compete. Uh, if Iserman doesn't like the price in terms of you know the, the the free agent part to lock him up, I could see them trading him. But I do think there's going to be a lot of interest around the league, and then it really comes down to you know do the Leafs have the best offer, and if they do have the best offer, how much is that? Because I think that would be quite high. Uh, I'll put it as like a, I do think it's possible, like fifteen percent, which I think is a decent chance. Um, but I do think it's fairly low. Um, so the other, the other names on there, um, Brandon Sad, I think is really intriguing. He has like very similar numbers to Hyman in terms of mm-hmm. they're the same age, they're the same size. They both shoot left. He's got tons of playoff experience from his time in Chicago. Um, he had a big playoffs, um, but he is someone who's made a lot more money than Hyman. Like I think like at least three times more in his career. So I could see him maybe being less focused on money. Uh, obviously Colorado, they got to resign Landeskog. They got to resign. They got to sign Makar. They're gonna have a tough time keeping him. So you know, would he want to play for a playoff team if you if you got gave him like five million a year? Um, again, very similar production to Hyman. I don't know if he's quite as good, but I think it's close. Um, if you're looking for the a player who's you know as close as possible to Hyman, I think it's sad. Don't think he's worth trading Panarin for, but. Um, for, for $5 million. I have interest in him. Um, the other guy I want to get your thoughts on is, is Blake Coleman. So what do you think of those two? Well, Brandon Saad is an absolute beast, especially when you look at play driving. Like It's been years and years and years of him being really good. Um, you know, whether he was on Chicago, whether he was when he was on Columbus, he had really good numbers, and with Colorado. Now, with Colorado, he was played in a little bit of a lesser role especially when you look at ice time, like he was more of a third liner, but just crushed his competition at that level. So I would be a big fan of Saad, depending on what the price tag is. When it comes to Coleman, ooh, it's such a tough one because I do think he's going to get overpaid. Um, I think he was a good player with New Jersey and him playing on, you know, Tampa's, you know, I guess on paper, they were the third line. They were kind of used as a second line. Uh, throughout this past playoffs but I think he's a great player I just I just think he's gonna get overpaid you know he's the he's kind of like that prototypical type of player who wins the Stanley Cup and then that summer gets paid way more than he should on a on a multi-year deal kind of like the Dave Boland or uh, of the year but just better um, so I would I just don't think the Leafs it's you know the Leafs are gonna want to sign him to a long-term deal uh, it would just be completely out of their character. I don't know. I love Blake Coleman. I've loved him since since his Devils days. I think he's a 
always been underrated. I wonder if the point totals keep his value down because he doesn't play power play. He only had 31 points, 55 games this year. He had 31 points the previous year. Um, he's someone who is better than the points indicate. I wonder if that helps to keep him kind of in the $4 million range or 4.5. For me, it's really term with him. Um, as you said, and you know, he's coming off the Stanley Cup run. Everyone knows he's pretty good. Um, I think everyone appreciates his game. But he's 29, and it really only takes one team to offer him, you know, five, six years. So the term is really the the sticking point for me on him. I love Coleman. If it's four years or less, I don't think it'll be less, but four years I'd, I'd consider him. Um, I also like Sad. I think, again, with Sad, I want him under $5 million um, in an ideally shorter term. Uh, I know some people say, like, if you're going to spend that much, why not just get Hyman? But for me, with Hyman, it's really term, like... I don't want to pay Hyman for seven years. If, if I can get sad for like three years, I think that's much that's much better. Bertuzzi's another option. Um, and I think we can both safely say, while he doesn't really play like Zach Hyman, we're both presidents of the Connor Garland fan club. Is that is Definitely. That, accurate? that would be amazing if they brought him over. The other two. Um, so Garland, you want to touch on him quick? No, I was actually going to bring up Gabriel Landeskog. Because I think if you're going to do go for a home run um, UFA, I think it would be Landis Cog. I think he is kind of that. He has those intangibles in terms of being gritty. He has that leadership. Obviously, he was the captain of Colorado. Um, and But for me, like where I would really like to see him, I think he's obviously been very good with McKinnon and Rantanen. So I think putting him, whether it's with Tavares uh, Nylander or with Matthews and Marner, I think it was going to work. But also on the power play, like the Leafs need a net front, net front guy who's very good. And Gabriel Landeskog has been unbelievable with Colorado's power play. Um, obviously, he had some good players to play with, but I think he was also very good as well. What are your thoughts on Landeskog? I think there's like a point zero 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 one percent chance he, he goes signs with the Leafs. I just think he's staying in Colorado. He's staying there? Yeah. If he goes... If he goes somewhere else, what he's is gonna the percentage? He's going to get overpaid. He's going to get overpaid. He's going to so get a many massive guys deal. Him. He's good. I really so? like him, but I think he'll just get a massive deal. And I, I still have hope. I have some hope. I think that's blind hope for me, uh, but I just love him as a player. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I like D-Lander as an Frank guy, by the way. So I think they need the... Maybe I'll hold out. I'll say Ovechkin. Ovechkin is <laughs> free agent. We're going to go him. Um, Garland, I just love. I know he's not maybe the perfect fit because of his size, but I just think he's such a good player, such an underrated player. Uh, I would take him in a second on my team, on any team. Um, the other two, Thomas Tatar, who has amazing numbers over the years, like great play driver, great scoring production, like better than Nylander production. Um, but can't, you know, he's been a healthy scratch come playoff time in Vegas. He's been a healthy scratch come playoff time in Montreal for some reason. He's not the biggest guy at 5'10". I'd have interest. I think if you take him um, somewhere in the threes, then maybe you you know go out and you try to replace some of Hyman's size in another way, whether it's like a Fogle, who's the next guy I'm going to mention, might be another option if you go get a Tatar. Uh, we already mentioned Jared McCann. I think he's amazing. I, I target him. Um and then the other one's Fogel, who's expected. He's on trade boards. He plays on on Carolina. I was listening to Don Lachizan on uh, the MLHS podcast. He said he's by his like similarity score or something like that. He's very similar to Hyman. He does get on the four check. He's six two. 
Um, that's another name that I think comes to mind. Miles Wood is another guy I think might come to mind. Um, you know, those are kind of probably not as good as Hyman. I might want someone else if they do go that route, but good players that I think you got to call on. So I think there's a lot of options. Any of those names really pop out to you? Fogel is a good player. Um, I do like the way that he, he battles and competes. Um, what was the one right before you said? I said Miles Wood, who I think is pretty good. Um, and Tatar is the other one. Tatar, yeah, that's the one I wanted to talk about. Um, he's a mystery. Like, I, I, it's it's one of those things where you... So weird. It, it's one of those things where you look at and, and you appeal to authority and say, okay, Vegas is a pretty smart team. They healthy scratched him in important games. Dom Ducharme made a ton of mistakes this past playoff run, but, I mean, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. And Tatar was also scratched in, you know, and, and a lot of other guys played over him that probably shouldn't have been playing. Um, the Leafs already, you know, in this situation would potentially have Galchenyuk in the lineup. Um, and then to also have Tatar in the lineup, like, it just seems like you're <laughs> you're building a bottom six full of these, like, little misfits um, who don't really get trusted in big games because they're good offensively. But for whatever reason, coaches don't believe them, believe in them. So I think it'll be interesting. I, I am a fan of him on paper. Um, I just don't know how much I want him to be on the team, especially if Galchenyuk's brought back. Like, could you imagine a third line of, or let's say a second line that has Galchenyuk and the third line has Tatar? I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it either, think... but it's just like one of those things where it's like, you know, was there a reason why these guys weren't playing in important games for good teams? Especially with Tatar. Yeah. It's it, because it's twice. That's kind of the weird part, and he hasn't really performed that well in the playoffs. But I would take him if it starts with a three. Um, that's where I'd have interest. If it's going to be like the same price he was making before, I'm probably out. Uh, I think he's going to go to like an analytics heavy front office, like a Boston Carolina or Boston. Yeah, yeah. I think those are the two. The Leafs just um, need to Zach- have uh, second line of Galchenyuk, third line of Tatar, fourth line with Simmons. That's the way they should go. All the, Why is Simmons in this? Just guys that 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 even well Simmons didn't even really produce offensively, but you can't trust Simmons defensively. Uh, yeah, he's. I think he's just the enforcer at this point. But. Yeah. The other guy, Zach Parise, got bought out. He's already made a hundred million, over a hundred million in his career. If he'll take a cheap deal, I'd give it to him. I think he'd be really fun to add to the lineup. He's just one year removed from a pretty good season. But I think he's going to go to Tampa and score like 25 goals because he can kind of pick wherever he wants. He's already made tons of money. Um, he's still getting paid by by Minnesota. So uh, that's another one. I don't think he'd be the Hyman replacement, but he'd be kind of a cool ad if he's available. I think Fogel would be cool, though. I might want someone else if they get him. I don't know if that's really fully replacing Hyman's value, but... It's going to be interesting, Nick. We got, uh, we're going to have a lot of NHL news this week, it seems like. But I'm ready to give you... It's kind of a trivia question, if you're ready for it. Okay. It's going to throw... It's, it's a bit out there. Are you ready? Let's Are you prepared? It. Let's hear it. I have no idea if you're going to be prepared for this. <laughs> the Toronto Raptors have the fourth pick of the 2021 NBA draft. They won the lottery to get move up to fourth. Or they were one of the winners of the lottery. Who are you hoping for, and what's your prediction for the Raps' fourth overall pick? Are you, do you have names? Are you are you somewhat caught up with this? To no? a certain extent, like I really only know that 
top five-ish guys. And I guess for this question, that would be pretty adequate. Um, Perfect. <laughs> I'll go... I think Jalen Green's probably my favorite of the, the top five. Uh, I don't know if he's going to drop to the, the Raptors, but I think Jalen Suggs would be interesting. I think he's, you know, the Leafs have been... The Leafs, geez. The Raptors have been very... Uh, they like drafting their guards. So I think it'd be a pretty... Um, if they did draft him, it would be pretty... What's the word? Crowded for the future as, uh, you know, part of their guards. But I, I, I think that he's a pretty good player. But I'm not as caught up... I think as you are with uh, with the draft for for the NBA. Yeah, I love Jalen Green too. I don't think he's gonna make it there, but I think Jalen Suggs is probably the best bet. So Cade's More gonna Cade's gonna go one. If not, he'll go two. But like almost certainly gonna go one. And then I think Green might go two. He's like such an athletic freak. Guy can shoot. Another guard, but a bit bigger. But he just seems like he's gonna be such a good scorer. And then there's Mobley, who would be a good fit because he's a center. The Leafs could use a center. Um, you know, people have thrown the Chris Bosch comparisons out there. Um, but at this point, I think that's going to be the top three. I'd be surprised if something I, falls. I disagree with you right there. You said that the Leafs need a center. The Leafs don't need Evan Mobley. They I don't. do, too. You, is is he going to play over Tavares or is he going to play over Matthews? That's what I need to know. The Leafs Evan need Mobley. the third line center. And Evan Mobley, <laughs> they need size. He's seven feet tall. I think, you know, ever since Gauthier left, they've had a hole as, as a bigger center, you know, so. Okay, actually, you know what? A, a third line of Engvall, Mobley, and Mikheyev, the three oh, towers. Wow. That's that's dangerous stuff right there. We got to talk him out of uh, talk him out of basketball. But I'm going Jalen Suggs, too, which will be interesting. I mean, I'm still trying to do my research here with, like, Kaminga and Scotty Barnes. But it, it does seem... I, I watched that March Madness game where, where Suggs hit the buzzer beater, and I've liked him ever since. So I think it'll be a fun one. I mean, we've been kind of spoiled with guards in Toronto over recent years. So uh, why not one more, I guess, is the uh, the mindset. Yeah, I guess so. The Oh, we got to do one I've more been... here. What's the percentage chance Masai's back? That's a good question for you. We have to do another hour. Are you asking my heart or my head? I'm asking... Your head, my head. Okay, uh, I'll say seventy percent. I think All he right. wants to stay here. I'm going a hundred percent. My, my heart says a hundred percent though. He's just the best. But they, um, they do have Bobby Webster, who's actually their GM, who has been a huge contributor to a bunch of the big trades and the big decisions that they made over the years. So he's a guy that likes to stay under the radar, and I think the athletic. Had a the athletic has a really good story on him uh, that came out after the championship that I think he agreed or he he made a deal with his wife because his wife wanted him to be uh, you know kind of get his name out there a little bit more than he he does because he never does pressers like I think he just started doing them this year or last year but before that he was so low key it was all Masai so I mean if Masai left I guess we'd uh, we'd really see what Bobby Webster's made of but you know I think he's quite a whiz kid. Yeah, I mean, they have a, such a good development staff, it seems like, in Webster. So I think they'd be a good hands, but I like Masai, so I'm just praying he stays. But Oh, so am I. He's such a fan favorite. That'll do it for uh, for Raptors Corner. Ever since he said, fuck Brooklyn, that was the, the turning point for me. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Been a fan ever since. So that'll do it for Raptors. <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> that'll do it for Raptors Corner. 
We'll see everybody after the expansion draft. We'll have some leaves news to, to catch up on. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll, we'll see everyone soon.